Politics, sports, movies. You are listening to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank, and I'm the host of the show. Thank you for listening. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking the show out. If you're a return listener, thanks for coming back and continuing to listen. The show is available on the following apps. Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and CastBox. If you listen to the show using one of these apps, please click subscribe, and this will allow you to receive notifications when new episodes are uploaded. You can also listen to episodes on the show's Facebook page, which can be found by searching for Let Me Bend Your Ear. Episodes are also available on the show's YouTube channel. Just search for Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. This podcast covers three different topics, politics, sports, and movies. Each episode is dedicated to one of these topics. You can also follow the show on social media. The handle for Twitter is at BendYourEarPod. This is also the handle for Instagram. If you want to email the show, the email is BendYourEarPodcast at gmail.com. If you're not using a podcasting app to listen to the show, you can always get episodes directly from the website, which is located at www.letmebendyourear.com. I'm going to do what is hopefully going to be an annual uh, event. This is our second annual Halloween broadcast. So, Neve, welcome to the show. Thanks for doing this. I'm really excited. I've been looking forward to this for the last few weeks, uh, and uh, hopefully this will be a continuing uh, uh, spot on the show. So welcome. Welcome back. Oh, hey, thank you. Thank you for having me again. All right. So let's talk about your blog. Uh, you have the uh, Crime in My Pocket blog. Uh, tell people about that and where they can find it. Uh, it's a true crime blog. We just look at true crime cases. It's some serial killers, but I am branching into doing some like single murder, strange cases, unsolved and things as well. Um, you can find it at crimeinmypocket.co.uk or uh, on Twitter then at crimeinmypocket. Great. And let's talk about a little bit before we get into the movies we're going to review today. Let's talk about um, your latest uh, uh, blog. And I know it's one that you reposted, but let's talk about that a little bit. Can you talk about that case a little bit? Give them a highlights of uh, what you wrote about. Um, yeah, as you said, it was a case I reposted. It was one I posted a couple of years back, but um, I just sort of refreshed it and added some things because there's been some updates. Uh, basically, um, it's Beverly Allett. She was a serial killer in the UK. And uh, she was a nurse at a children's ward in a hospital, and she was an angel of death, basically. She would just, uh, in she'd use insulin to induce a cardiac arrest in her patients. And eventually, there was over a 15-month span, uh, there were so many cardiac arrests that they that it was eventually investigated, and she was arrested. And uh, as we were talking before we started recording, the thing that was fascinating when I read uh, your blog, mm. the the way she was able to even though it was only 15 months that she was able to really kind of have access unfortunately to do the things that she did and it kind of flew under the radar uh, of the the medical community there until almost the very end when they finally started to put the pieces together about the manner of death of the children it was it was interesting how she was going in and doing it even with the parents not noticing the parents just in, you know trusted her implicitly with it it was it was quite terrifying. She she managed to basically pull the wool over everyone's eyes, and people came to the aid of these children, thinking they needed the help, even though she'd inflicted, she'd inflicted it. 
No, absolutely. It was it's a it's a great blog, and I, I encourage everybody to read it. Like I said, she, I love her writing style. It's very easy to read. It's a it's a it's a quick read, even though the information is very in depth. You can see that you do your research. So again, everyone that's listening to this show, I highly recommend that you follow her on Twitter and read her blog. It's definitely interesting. If you're into true crime, she's definitely passionate about it, and you can see it in her writing. So definitely check that out. All right, so let's get into uh, our Halloween special. So we decided, I decided after last year, it was so much fun to do uh, the Halloween movies and John Carpenter. So uh, I asked Neve after that if she would be willing to kind of make this a yearly thing, and she graciously accepted. So I made the decision of as long as we can do it, I think it's going to be a two-movie show where one of the movies is going to be a John Carpenter film, and then uh, the other one is going to be a different horror film. So uh, the John Carpenter film, we're going to talk about a little later, The Thing uh, from 1982. I'm very excited to talk about that because this is actually a John Carpenter movie I had never seen uh, until the last couple of days. So I'm really excited to talk to Neve about that one. I haven't seen it before. So now that I've seen it, it's, it's going to be great to talk about it. But the first film we're going to talk about was actually one that Neve suggested and one that I had seen once uh, about six or seven years ago, but then rewatched it for this uh, podcast. And this is Sinister, which came out in 2012, starring Ethan Hawke. Uh, Fred Dalton Thompson, Vincent D'Onofrio, and it's directed by Scott Derrickson, who's uh, known for directing Doctor Strange for the Marvel uh, DCEU universe. So let's get into that a little bit. So why did you want to do this particular movie? First of all, when we were talking about it, why did you want to pick this one? Uh, it was actually, um, it was, it came out around a time when I felt like horror, just I wasn't really enjoying it. It was going all going a bit too paranormal because I do enjoy like a good traditional slasher. But this one I did go and see in the cinema as well, and it was terrifying. This is one that I thoroughly enjoyed. It was really, really scary. It's one. It's one of the paranormal ones. I, I yeah, I do really enjoy. Yeah, let's dive into this. And before what we're going to try to do, and, and we may go off the the, the subject. What I want to do because I was always I always am skeptical when I do these <laughs> reviews about whether we're going to do spoilers or not. So I figured Neva, what we'll do is we'll, we'll talk about the movie and then what we'll do is uh, when we get to closer to the end of the movie, talking about that part of it, what I'll do is I'll spoil a warning to the listeners. I'll say, Hey, look, if you haven't seen the movie yet, you know, you may want to turn it off for the next, however, and I can do that after. And then we'll talk about the the stuff that may be spoilers. Okay. This movie, I don't know if it's too, too much of that, but I don't want to give it away. Cause I want to have people that have seen the movie to enjoy our discussion of it. But, mm-hmm. uh, but still, you know, if people haven't seen it and they want to go out, I don't want to give too many spoilers away and feel free to jump in. If you feel that I'm being spoilery, please feel yeah. free to interrupt me <laughs> so that I'm not, Hey, let's not do that. So, uh, cause uh, I, I think you've probably seen the movie more than I have. I've seen mm-hmm. it twice. Uh, but yeah, if I, I get into spoiler territory, please feel free to, to stop me. Okay. All right. So quick synopsis of the movie. So Ethan Hawke plays a crime writer who moves mm-hmm. into a home, uh, getting ready to research his new book. So the way the movie is set up, he had a successful novel called Kentucky Blood about 10 years previous to the events taking place in the movie. Super successful. But his two books after that were not so much successful. Mm-hmm. He's kind of in a place right now in his life where he's struggling. He's trying to find that next hit to match his first yeah. hit that made him famous. And he's kind of, his family's kind of struggling with that. They're struggling with the move. The children are, of course. And his wife's mm-hmm. kind of struggling with how the crime, the writing about these grisly things affect him, his family, the children. Mm-hmm. They're moved. She's supportive, but there is some issues that you see there. And the movie's kind of set up that way. Uh, they move into the, to the home and then he finds a box with reels of eight millimeter film 
uh, and a projector, he starts to look at them and then starts to see a series of grisly murders of families that have uh, a unique thing in common. All the members of the family are killed with the exception of one child who ends up missing and not found. And that's kind of how the movie takes off. I'll let you jump in uh, on, on that part of it and, and, and you want to discuss what you want on the movie. Um, obviously, he finds the, the films and everything. And you see the the brutal murders. This this is where I think it got frightening for me because you just it was very graphic the murders and everything, and I did uh, I did enjoy as well. It was very reminiscent of Hitchcock. I thought with the the sounds, the way the music building tension in it. Yes. Yeah, with the way music and it was as well. You going on about the reels now. This is just what reminded me when he finds the tapes, the reels is when you hear the reels going on even that sounds well sinister because it's just it's just the sound of it going round as well is just uh, really tense and quite scary and adds to the brutality you see on the tapes as well absolutely i think uh the movie opens with the with the eight millimeter mm -hmm. film stock and 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 the family mm. that's uh that's hanged um so that's yeah. it, it, the movie opens with a disturbing it, it kind of almost reminded me I don't know. I'm sure you saw the film Seven, the David Fincher film, with the with the very disturbing, probably one of the most disturbing opening credits I've ever seen. With the between the music and the mm. and the editing, you don't even see any images. It's the it's the opening credits, and it's and it's it immediately sets the mood yeah. for the movie. And I think the opening of, of Sinister sets the mood immediately uh, about where you're going to go. And yeah, you're right. I think the the what I did like about it too for me because I you know when we've talked about horror movie before, I'm not a huge fan of slashers. I can deal with some gore, but I think especially when you're dealing with the murder of children, it, I think it's sensitive. I thought that mm. as gory as not gory as, as, as um, graphic as it was, I, th I thought he showed some good restraint and some, especially a later scene in the movie where he, where the family has their throat slit, that particular sense yeah. of murder. So the, they did a great job of uh, when it got to the children, the, he actually panned back behind Ethan Hawke's character. And, and you see him the, turn his head. He it, turns his head. The and then sort of way you are. Right. Just, oh, yeah, just horrified. And then you can still see in the background blurred what's happening, but in mm. the foreground focus with him and he's drinking. And that's another thing I want to talk about. And that's another reason I'm glad I got to rewatch it. One of the things I actually liked about this movie that I think makes it a cut above horror films, and all of my favorite horror films are the ones that have a kind of a deeper meaning other than killing and slashing and violence. And mm. like I said, those are fun too. You know, talking about when we talk about Halloween, that's a straightforward, there's no subtext no. there it's a straightforward yeah. scary movie and it's and it's well done but this movie i loved and, and i think when you cast really good actors it helps too ethan hawk's a fantastic actor anyway mm. uh so you you can kind of see his where he's at in his life and i think that has a lot to do with the actions of his character uh one of the other good great scenes early in the movie is when he had when he picks up his phone to call the police after he sees the first film of the murders He's his first instinct is I think the right one. I I, I got to call the police. This is this is terrible. This is this the murders have been recorded, and then he hangs up. And I think that's this beginning of kind of his moral descent and his 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 focus on I need to make money for my family to be yeah. famous to all the things that his ego is driving him to do. So he makes that fateful decision at that moment to kind of ignore what he should do and just kind of go with what he wants to do. And I think that's, that's a, to me, that's a theme throughout the entire movie as the things progress and get worse. Yeah, definitely. You can really see the desperation then when uh, to try, he has to make this book a success. 
as well as you were saying the pressures from the family as well you see in the first scene as they're moving in uh the the local the local police come and give him a warning about the book and they come and tell and basically sort of tell him you know we did our best we're still looking for that girl sort of warning him to sort of not be too harsh with them in the book and then the and then uh, as he's the wife is sort of saying then how they were targeted when he was doing previous cases writing about previous cases how they were targeted by the local law enforcement in those towns as well absolutely and like i said it, you know it, it did a good job of you know, giving you that backstory of what happened yeah before they got into that town and kind of sets up the, the dynamic between the husband and the wife the the the, the mm-hmm. wife and the kids the husband and the kids so yeah exactly and the movie does a good job of ratcheting up the tension in a, in a mm. kind of a slow burn way and, and and with like i said with disturbing images and then when you see it start to affect the children when the when the son starts to have night terrors and uh, or or actually not starts he's had them before but they've never been this bad and, mm. and your wife you know cautioning him and and then like i said you it's very pronounced that obviously when he's in the throes of this his drinking becomes heavier uh his 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 uh sleep becomes less and yeah. I think that's what I love about psychic to your point about Hitchcock. I think that's a great point. I think there's a very strong psychological element, uh, especially when it comes to Ethan Hawke's character. So I think all these things are being uh, heightened uh, because of his lack of sleep, because of his heavy drinking, because of his his mental state at this point. I mean, obviously, it's never you know, it's, it's not that he's crazy. It's not that he's imagining it. Obviously, as the movie unfolds, it's it's, it's very apparent that there is something actually going on. and. Uh, uh, but I, I do think all of that comes into play. And like I said, I think his his failings or shortcomings uh, kind of leads him down the path that's not going to end up being a good path to go on. And it just seems like it's almost inevitable. Yeah, exactly. And uh, some of the other performance in the film. So I forgot that Fred Dalton Thompson, the older actor, he's been around forever, was the was the sheriff. He's only in a couple of scenes, but he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, deputy uh, yeah, he's the sheriff in the opening scene, isn't he? He's the the older sheriff in the opening yes. scene. Yeah. Yes. You see him. Uh, you see him once, and then you see him again late in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but he's a great actor. He hadn't I hadn't seen him in a long time, so it was kind of good to see him. I think he's passed away since the movie's come out. And then you have Deputy So and So. Actually, I don't remember the character's name because he kept calling no. him Deputy So and So. But yeah, I thought I thought he was good as well. And I, I love the great scene after uh, Ethan Hawke's characters had a pretty eventful evening where he's ends up sleeping on the couch with the bat next to him and he's having that deep conversation with with deputy so-and-so and and deputy so-and-so tell him look i i can't believe you're in this house i think he's i think he kind of does what i loved about that scene it's i think there's a criticism of horror movies when when you know people talk to the screen and go why are you staying in the house get out of there you can see there's something wrong what are you doing and he's kind of almost that audience surrogate to me it's like yeah uh, yeah i would never stay here i don't even i don't even understand why you're here <laughs> like what are you doing and uh, I believe in this stuff because I think Ethan Hawke's character assumed that he, you know, he didn't and he was a skeptic and the, and the deputy, which was a yeah. nice little, uh, yeah, I believe all this stuff. And I would never spend one minute in this house. I don't even know why you're doing it. So that scene, I, I think, was amusing and, and kind of, uh, again, another way to, 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 to warn him, but he just is not hearing it because, like I said, it's, it's all the, like you said earlier, the desperation, the, 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 the missing of the fame. I mean, and that's why I love, like I said, again, the, mm. the, deeper character study in these movies, I think it helps the movie become even more scary. You can see, you know, he's watching videos of his old interviews from the book that was popular. And and you can see that it pains him that he's not at that level of fame. Yeah. And unfortunately that fame seems to be more important to him, fame and money than than 
taking care of what he has of value right in front of him, which is his family. Yeah. Now the and since you're the horror movie film, you were talking about the the the, the scares. What do you think about the scares in this movie? Because I think the movie moves along at a pretty brisk pace, and then there's some jump scares in there, and then like you said, the 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 footage is very disturbing. What is it that you liked about it as a horror fan that connected to you? I think it was basically like I said, I, I went to see it in cinema, so you can imagine all those sounds on you know a theater just all around you in the dark and everything, and. It, it, everything was just scary like you said there's, there's some of the jump scares you know when you see the uh, the child's night terrors and things like that but there was also the brutal stuff as well and i i think i like the fact i did spend the whole time i was watching it terrified just completely terrified you said about the building the tension and you were saying obviously about ethan Hawke's character how you basically see his mental health spiral in as the film goes on but I do your brain just sort of goes with it I I felt like I went like that as well watching it just like oh no what's gonna happen now oh just you know just completely losing it watching it as well so I think I really enjoyed that because it did give me a proper scare and as a horror fan you sort of become desensitized so if a film scares you it's like this is a good film this is a good horror film if it's managed to scare me you know yeah, absolutely. And, and I think and, and I like this film, too, because like I said, I'm a big fan of the I think I tend to lean more towards the and I don't want to use the word suspense because this is a horror film with suspenseful elements in it. And I do think and it's disturbing and unnerving, I think, is what I liked about it. Yeah. Best horror films are scary, but they're unsettling. And I think, like you said, when you're dealing with 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 murders of families and 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 mm. children missing and and what that entails and what that encompasses, that's just just unnerving i think for me as being being a father of children now i think it hits me different than it would have hit me probably hit me when i originally saw this movie uh before i had two small children so i think it hits you differently and it's mm. a whole different uh, visceral experience uh from that perspective so yeah i think the movie does an excellent job of that and 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 like i said i after watching it again there was a like i said it moved along at a brisk pace i didn't see any major issues did you have anything about the movie that that you thought could have been better or were you happy with it completely from beginning to end um as i said it completely scared me so i was happy from beginning to end really it, it goes down as one of my favorites yeah i would agree too there wasn't any anything actually no. when, on the rewatch that i that i could really seriously criticize uh the hours the the movie is one hour and 50 minutes it didn't feel mm -hmm. like it no, uh that's usually my biggest tell on it yeah it moves like i said you, that's usually my first sign of having an issue when you're looking at your watch or you're going, wow, this is seems to be long. And it never it never felt that way at all. Like I said, uh, to go back, I think it's the, the strength of Ethan Hawke's performance. I mean, his wife is good. The, the children are good as well. But I think that mm. he really ends the movie. Uh, I, and I think it's a very, very good performance. And and uh, script is very good. And and the way it kind of um, goes into the end, I kind of appreciate. So what we're going to do real quick. I'm just going to throw out a quick spoiler alert uh at this point so that neve and i can freely discuss the end of the film and kind of how it pushes too so if uh, you haven't seen the movie uh you may want to just pause or fast forward a couple of minutes uh and then we'll get into the thing after that but i really want to get into the to the climax of the movie so we'll go ahead and get started with that now so what did you think of the uh well, i'll start with the scene where deputy so-and-so has been trying to call ethan hawk after they move out of the mm -hmm. house and go back to their original house and he finally gets, he finally picks up the call and deputy so-and-so says, hey, look, I've figured out what's going on. And basically says each murder is connected to the other ones. And the connection is that 
the family lived in a house where a previous murder took place. Yeah. And, and it's a straight line all the way back to the 60s. And then, of course, Ethan Hawke's character realizes that, oh, my God, the each, each, you know, I, I, they don't say it in the movie, but that's the way I saw it, that, that each, obviously, each family, somebody in that family or the child in that family viewed the films. And yeah. that's how the, the, the god or deity uh, possesses them. So what did you think about how that kind of unfolded when they kind of explained why this was happening? And what, what were your thoughts on that? I I did really enjoy the last scene because it did it it felt like the film was already over before it happened because it was like oh they've moved they've got away it's oh, it's brilliant it's fine oh they've settled in a really nice house and it just seemed like a peaceful happy ending and then of course as you say deputy so and so rings <laughs> and it, it all starts and when he starts saying and he basically the last thing he says on the phone call is if this guy is still out there you've just put yourself in his timeline. And he sort of realizes, and that's when he obviously when he looks at the coffee cup, isn't it? And it's, and he realizes the poisoning. And I thought it was a brilliant scene. It was just because, like I said, it felt like it was over. And it's just like, oh, there was just so much more. Yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah. You're right. It, it it almost had that typical, and and you're right. And this is why this is a good movie because it, it was the typical. Okay, they've you know they've seen what's happened. There's been horrible things happening. Ethan Hawke's character finally realizes, right, I got to get the hell out of here. We got to leave now. There's no, we'll get everything. And you're like, oh, he finally came to his senses, which he did to a degree. He did come to yeah. his senses. And then the scene actually, even before Deputy So-and-so, now that I'm thinking about it, the scene right before then, when he's up in his his uh, uh, study and then the uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's character, the professor, calls him to give him the information uh, of the research that he did based on the information that he was given earlier in the movie, basically talking about this pagan deity and how... Mm. Uh, it, images were the portal between uh, children and him possessing those children because they were more vulnerable. And then Ethan Hawke frantically asking him, well, what if you destroyed it or set it on fire or got rid of it? Doesn't that close that door? And then D'Onofrio's character asked him, what, what kind of book are you writing? What are you, what are you doing? Hmm. And of course, he immediately after he gets off the, the call with him, he immediately deletes all his files on his computer, puts it in his trash and empties it. So you're thinking, woof, okay, I'm going to destroy it. It's all over. And then like you go to the next scene. But the thing is at the very end, though, he couldn't help himself. And it's not even, you know, he, he splices, he finds the extended cuts and splices them together and looks at them. I'm thinking as a viewer, no, what, what are you doing? Even yeah. if, get rid of it. What, what are you doing? And uh, he does that. And then, like you said, but the things that already been set in motion. And I think that's the tragedy of the movie because it didn't even matter that he did it or not. The fact of the matter is his daughter saw the images at the other mm -hmm. place, but it was already too late. Yeah. It was already that too late. As well, yeah. You sort of realize, yeah, it was always too late. It was just going to happen. Yeah, it was just going to happen. Yeah. And, and the trigger yeah. was going to be, like you said, it was going to happen the second they moved out of there. Yeah, that exactly. Was, that was the trigger. Unfortunately, he was thinking he was doing the right thing. And that's the ultimate irony and the tragedy of it is that one, he realized too late, and two, the damage had already been done, so it was an inevitable end. But yeah, you're right; it was a it was a great ending. It was it was terrifying, and, um, you know, and tragic, and, and kind of added to the circle of what was going on in that movie or the line in this case. So yeah, definitely, I highly recommend this movie. Uh, like I said, if you're a horror fan, uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Like I said, you know, just be aware, you know, there's 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 scenes of of murders of of adults mm -hmm. and children. So if that bothers you, I always throw that out there for people. But uh, if that's not an issue, it's very, very well done. Um, for me, I'm going to give it out of five. I'm going to give it uh, four out of five. 
Uh, five, I usually reserve for classics of all time. I think it's a really good movie. I highly recommend it. So four is a high review for me anyway, for especially for a horror film. Uh, most horror films, we don't get above three if they're lucky. This is this is definitely above uh, a cut above the rest of them. Uh, what would you give it as a review? Uh, because it is, like I said, one of my all-time favorites. I think I'm going to go full five for it, definitely. I'm going to give it a full five as a horror fan. Can't argue that point. So, yeah, so check it out. That Sinister uh, came out in 2012. If uh, you're looking for places out there in the United States, I was actually able to stream it on Netflix. So it was available on Netflix. So if you have that, you don't have to pay for it. If not, you can rent it on Amazon or uh, wherever you get your videos. I don't know in the U.K. if it's different. Where Do you own the movie or did you watch it again uh, via stream or did you rent it? How did you get it? I think we rented it on Prime, I think. Okay. Yeah. All right, so it is available out there. So I always try to do that because there's some movies I've reviewed on my regular podcast where I realize after the fact that they're hard to get. So I want to make sure that people know where to find it if they really want to check it out. So again, that's Sinister starring Ethan Hawke from 2012. All right, so we're going to go right into uh, our next movie where I'm super excited about this and I'm super excited to hear Neve's thoughts about it. So this is the 1982 movie, The Thing, which is a remake of the movie from the 50s starring James Arness, if you know him from Gunsmoke. Uh, the Western, the American Western television series that was on for 20 years, but he was in The Thing. Uh, it was directed by John Carpenter, as I stated uh, on, our, on this Halloween show every year. We're going to try to pick a John Carpenter film to review. So this is one he directed. Uh, it's set in 1982, so the year it was made. There's a research team in Antarctica. So obviously in the South Pole area, they're doing some research, and they come upon a alien that has been there for 100,000 years. And this particular alien kind of acts almost like an organism that attaches to a host and simulates and imitates that person. So that's kind of the basic setup for the movie. Um, uh, before I get into it, Neve, give me some of your preliminary thoughts about the story in the movie. What do you think about the thing? Uh, the story, I think, well, the thing is just a classic at this point, isn't it? You know, it is It is a classic sci-fi horror, I suppose. I thought it's not quite fully horror as it does lean into sci-fi. Um I think the story and everything, yeah, it is it is good. But watching it, especially uh, the 1982 version, I didn't enjoy it as much as I did back in the day. I just feel like it's one of those films that sort of, it hasn't stood the test of time. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. Like okay. when it's made, yeah. Okay. Oh, good. I'm glad. Well, good, because I think we're going to have a difference of opinion on this one. So, yeah. I've never seen the film before, so it's one of those movies that I it wasn't intentional. I've always it's always one of those ones where I've heard it's a classic, and I, and I just never got around to seeing it. So that's why I'm glad we're doing this review. I actually have a different opinion. I thought it was fantastic. I actually well, let me start with one specific thing, and maybe you'll agree with this part of it. Rob Bottin did the makeup and special effects, so he's done a lot of horror movies. He's a disciple of Rick Baker, who is one of the most phenomenal makeup artists you know, ever. He did American Werewolf in London, The Howling, some classic horror films. I thought for 1982, I thought the the effects, especially the, with the thing and the, kind of the gorier aspects were phenomenal. And I don't know if you thought that as well. I mean, why, I was kind of surprised at how good they were. I don't know if you thought the same or, or agree, disagree. What were your thoughts on that specifically? For the fact it was 1982, yeah, it was impressive. I did agree with that. But that's the thing. I think it was impressive for 1982 i think that's maybe it like you've looked at it and thought yeah it's it's good special effects for 1982 
I think that, I think that's what I mean by not stood the test of time because uh, we were watching it and it was oh this this is so eighties just watching it like yeah this is just <laughs> so eighties and yeah. you know that was enjoyable and like I said it's still a good film plot wise and it is a classic it's just that was just something a niggle in my head ah oh, this is just eighties so eighties <laughs> okay. <laughs> And the second, one of the other things I liked about the movie as well, I, I, the element that I didn't expect, I, like I said, I came into the movie not knowing anything about it other than who was in it and, and who directed it. So I was kind of glad I came in blind. I did, I think what kind of made the movie better for me too is the, the, the tension regarding who's human and who's not human. So yeah. I think that, that element is probably the best element of the movie. So I think that if it had that element not been there, I think, yeah, I think I would have liked the movie a lot less. But yeah. I, I like the fact that they just didn't, you know, they were paranoid. They they thought and they were questioning everything, questioning everyone. And I think that added to the tension uh, in, in, a, in a wonderful way. So that part of it and the fact that they're isolated, uh, I thought it was fantastic. That's probably my favorite aspect of the movie. What, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, definitely. That's that's what I mean by plot wise. That's what kind of saved it and still made it enjoyable for me was, like you said, that tension of oh, who is and who isn't then and them all blaming each other. And there's a lot of, you know, in fighting and all that to sort of try and find out who was who, isn't it? And yeah, that was a part I did enjoy. Like you said, if if that hadn't been there, it would have been much less enjoyable. Right. So let's go into your let's go into your criticisms of it. What is it? Uh, and you started talking about the effects and stuff. What other issues did you have with the movie that would keep it keep you from going? This movie is one of the best. I think it was it was just that. Like I said, it was just I think in comparison to what you expect now from horror films. Like I said, it was just very 80s, very reflective of the time. And like I said, the effects and everything were really good for the time. They're just not very good for now. And I think that was just it, really. That was just something that sort of, I think it just amused me going into it. So it was always in the back of my head like that. that I think that is the only criticism I have with it. Like I said, plot-wise, it's still it's still a classic. And for you, I know you're a, a fan, and this is why I have you on. I know you're a fan of really the the, the hardcore horror. Like, that's that's your, your probably your favorite genre, if I could speak for you. So it, it's, it's part of the issue with the thing, too, that... Uh, the sci-fi element takes away because maybe you think it should be more horror and less sci-fi. Is that is that something that that that's an issue for you with this particular movie? Um, yeah, I, I'm not a sci-fi fan. Yeah, you are right there. So maybe that did kind of influence it because I'm not a big sci-fi fan. But in terms of the horror as well, you know, I thought the horror was done quite well. It's, I still felt there was a horror element, like you said, with the tensions and things earlier, and with some of the gore in it as well, it was, you know, reflective of horror. So, yeah. Okay, yeah, no, and I could see that, and like I said, I, I didn't know how I was going to react to it, too, mm -hmm. because I've heard, it's funny, and I'm glad you have kind of a different opinion than mine, because in reading some of the reviews of the movie, or hearing other podcasts that talk about it because obviously with especially with people that are john carpenter fans they they bring up the thing as a lot a lot of it and a lot of it is being uh, as an underrated uh film of his so uh, like i said i enjoyed it a lot but i i appreciate the the differing opinion i can see where what you're talking about and i think i'm glad that i actually because like i said i think i was going to be more on what you're saying because i was going into it thinking oh, all right we'll see and you know, i like john carpenter you know i i kind of know what the movie's about but i'm not sure i'm going to really you know get into it so i was pleasantly surprised which i always love when i watch movies anyway especially if i go in uh i don't know if i had low expectations but i wasn't sure if i was gonna like it or not so i think i had probably i was ambivalent but it was is which probably helps when in, 
to help you give you a better view of the movie. But like I said, I actually enjoyed it a lot. I'm glad I was able to see it and finally get to watch it. But uh, again, I think it's uh, John Carpenter is is a, a director, I think, just overall that is kind of I don't know if underrated is the right word, because I think when people talk about uh, filmmakers, you know, even horror like Wes Craven and, and all the ones that are that are obviously spoken. And I'm talking about American filmmakers, obviously, from your perspective, there's there's filmmakers from around the world that do horror excellently as well. I think John Carpenter sometimes kind of gets forgotten uh, because he jumps genres and yeah. uh, he doesn't always do horror. And like I said, I'm, I'm a big fan of his non horror stuff, too. Like I said, I've seen and we'll probably talk about other ones. I, I definitely want to talk about Christine uh, and uh, even something like Starman. I don't know if we'll do Starman for a Halloween episode, but just movies where he's jumped all around and, and done different genres, I think have been uh, pretty, uh, some of them pretty ambitious. Uh, I think some of them have flaws, but I think he's, I think he's a very talented filmmaker. So I will start with my review of the thing. So I'm going to give the, uh, the thing, um, I'm going to give it four stars as well. I'm on a four star tear today. I, I enjoyed it. I, I think I came into it thinking I'm probably going to give it a three-star review, saying, hey, it was pretty good, but not great. I actually really, really enjoyed it. So I'm going to go with uh, uh, with four. Yeah, I think I'm going to give this one a four as well. Because like I said, I didn't fully enjoy it as I did, you know, watching it years ago. But it still stands as a classic. So definitely four. Absolutely. So, all right, great. We're fantastic. So the thing... Uh, I watched that on Prime as well. I rented that one on Prime. That was not on Netflix, so uh, I rented that one on Prime. So if you want to watch the thing, it's available uh, on Amazon Prime. Didn't see it on any other streaming services. I'm assuming that's where you watched it as well. Um, no, I was actually lucky enough. Um, my uncle still had a DVD of it, so uh -huh. we got a DVD. So okay, yeah. good, good, good. All right, so perfect. So that's 1982 is the thing by John Carpenter. All right, so at this point of the show, I want to announce something I'm very excited about. Um, I spoke to Neve regarding her love of horror films. And, and if you listen to our episode where we reviewed uh, uh, some classic horror films and some horror films she introduced uh, to us from other countries, it gave me the idea to uh, have her be a contributor to the podcast. And I'm very excited she accepted to do that. So uh, starting soon, we're going to have her do a show where she does a review of a horror film. Uh, from outside the United States. Now, we can always change that if she wants to do one in there. It's not a hard and fast rule, uh, but it was just a general uh, outline because I think she could bring a great perspective. Uh, I definitely am not an expert on horror films specifically and definitely not a foreign one. So uh, I think she brings a great perspective and hopefully she can introduce horror fans that listen to this podcast to some movies that they would have never sought out or didn't even know about uh, based on her recommendations. And like I said, she's a true horror fan. So I'm sure if she gives a good recommendation on a movie, I have no doubt it's probably uh, something that you're going to want to check out if you're a fan of that genre. So I want to thank me for doing that and, and, and kind of uh, introduce that. I don't know if we're going to have a name for her segment. I, I have to come up with that. Maybe I'll talk to yeah. her and we can come up with what it's going to be called. Uh, but I'm definitely very excited to do that. So why don't you talk about what you want to do with that part of it as far as the review? Because it's going to be really, I'm going to leave it to you, to your discretion. What what do you hope to get out of it? And what do you hope to present to the audience when you start doing it? Um, like you said, I just hope to introduce, uh, to introduce people to some different horrors. Because there does seem to be, like with a lot of people I know personally, there does seem to be a sort of, oh, I don't really want to watch anything that's not American or British horror. At least that, that's what it seems to be with people I know, obviously, because I am British. And it's like, well, the Australians have good horror. I've watched a brilliant French horror. So just want to introduce horror from all over the world because there are good horror horrors out there that, you know, are outside the United States or the UK. That's great. I agree with you, too, because, like I said, I think there's a, uh, a I don't know if bias is the right word, but I guess that's probably the best word to describe it. Um regarding you know 
watching films from outside uh, the United States. When I was younger, I mean, I'm a film buff in general, so I, I've watched a lot of foreign films. I haven't watched them as religiously in the last few years. And because I haven't watched a lot of films, period, in the last few years, because, you know, raising a family, it's kind of taken a lot of my time away from the time I used yeah. to have to do that. Uh, so that's why I'm glad to do this segment, because I think it, there is a lot of value there. And there's great cinema all over the world of yeah. all genres. Uh, so the fact that you can introduce us to some of these, and like I said, I hope this is going to be a recurring thing because I know this, I'm sure if I asked you right now, you could probably name me 30, 40, 50 movies off the top of your head that are from, not from the United States that you love. Uh, mm -hmm. so I think we have plenty of, of content for people to enjoy with you going through your list of what are your favorites or revisiting yeah. old ones or even watching new movies, which would be fantastic. Hopefully if we get back to some kind of sense of normalcy here in the next six months or so where you can actually go to the movies and see yeah. those movies that are you know, playing in the UK that are not playing in the United States. And maybe uh, you can be my person over there that gives me the, the head start on people looking out for certain movies that are uh, maybe playing in the UK that haven't come to the United States yet, or maybe will come to streaming platforms and not into theaters here and kind of introduce them. So I think that's going to be fantastic. And I'm, and I'm really looking yeah. forward to your contribution. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for letting me contribute. All right. So um, again, our uh, recap, we have Sinister with Ethan Hawke. Uh, I gave it four. Neve gave it five. I think we both liked it a lot. The Thing, 1982. We both gave it four. I think I liked it a little more than Neve did. Yeah. She had a couple of issues with the date in it. She thinks the movie's a little bit dated. Uh, so that's the quick wrap-up. Um, again, uh, please check out her blog, The Crime in My Pocket blog. Let everybody know again where they can find you and find your blog. Uh, you can find my blog at crimeinmypocket.co.uk. And on Twitter, then at Crime in My Pocket. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, Neve, it's been phenomenal to have you on, and I'm glad to do this show again. It's 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 been it's a lot of fun having these conversations with you. Have been fun, and I'm glad we're going to hopefully make this a yearly tradition. And then now with you doing the the uh, the the horror reviews, that's going to be fantastic. And I think we'll you know we'll do uh, some things together again, like co-hosting a podcast. I, I think I want to get into. I think we talked about this before. And I haven't seen them yet. Uh, um, Midsommar and uh, and Hereditary. Um, have you mm. seen either one of those films yet? No, but somebody did recommend Hereditary to me the other day. Another horror fan was saying I have to watch it. So it is on my list. It is up that I really need to watch it. Yeah, because and I forgot the director's name off the top of my head. I know he directed both of those films. And I know they've been mm. kind of... Um, heralded is kind of the new type of horror and, and and been universally praised i think it's that director and then i think the other one is jordan peele you know with us and get out um yeah. as far as the new wave of horror directors that are kind of celebrated and we'll talk about jordan peele too because i think i haven't even talked to you about that i'll kind of save that because i want to kind of get your thoughts on mm -hmm. i have to see us i haven't seen us i've seen get out but i want to see maybe we can do that uh tandemly mm -hmm. and kind of see where we both stand on what we think of what he's doing. Uh, so I think we'll, we'll tease it there and then we'll kind of revisit that at another time. On the subject of Jordan Peele, I will say I am really looking forward to his candy, his version of Candyman. So that could be something to, uh, to look over as well. You know what? Can and you know what? Candyman is a movie I need to revisit. Cause it's funny. I think Candyman, I'm almost scared. I love that movie when I it love came. that movie. And, yeah, and like I said, as a non-horror fan, I love the the elements of the movie that were different, the racial element, the mm. the 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 story behind it. I'm afraid though, because I haven't seen that movie in a very long time. I'm afraid I'm going to have the same reaction that you had to the thing, where I'm going to watch it and go, "It's good, but it seems kind of dated," and I don't want that because I really my memories of that movie are so good. Oh, you won't, you won't. I've watched it recently, <laughs> and it's brilliant still. Yeah, Tony Todd is fantastic. Oh, that's the only thing, yeah, that that's the only thing I'm scared of with Jordan Peele's remake. I'm like. 
If they're Tony Todd really kind of like yeah. Ethan Hawkins. Tony, I can't imagine a Candyman without Tony Todd in it. No, so, same. That's yeah, a bit of a concern for me as well. Yeah, because he was so phenomenal, and he's and it's funny because he's one of my he's one of those actors because I love I'm a big fan of character actors. So you know, actors that 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 have long careers, they're not superstar actors, but they just they just go yeah. into different roles and inhabit roles in all different kinds of movies. So that was kind of like a breakthrough movie for Tony Todd, and the fact of I think he's probably more famous than that than any other movie, and he's been in tons of movies and television. Mm. And he was so great in Candyman. So I'm always happy when I see actors that kind of work and grind it out, kind of hit that one note in that movie that just kind of, you know, yeah. everybody knows him for. So, yeah, he's phenomenal in that. So he without is. him, I'm going to be concerned. But, I mean, Jordan Peele, uh, I'm sure I know he reveres that movie as well. So I think uh, hopefully it'll be something that's going to be worth seeing. But, yeah, I know that just got pushed back, unfortunately, due to the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, definitely when that movie comes out, look, that'll be uh, mm-hmm. that's something you and I will probably do on a podcast when it's the time to do that, if we can both see it. And uh, I'll be happy to talk about that. Maybe what we'll do is uh, well, we can do a tandem, the original one and the remake. I think that might oh, be yeah. where we would go. Yeah, we can do that because that'll make me watch the first one and then we can do the second one. So I think that'll be fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, actually. Yeah, that's a good idea. Fantastic. All right. Well, again, you thank you so much for being on the show. It's always great to have you on. Uh, it's always great to, to, to have these conversations about movies with other people and you're, and you're fantastic. So thanks again for doing this. Oh, thank you for having me once again as well. It's, I think it's fantastic as well. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. If you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts or any other app, please take a moment to rate and review. This is a quick and easy way you can help the show attain a higher profile in searches when people are seeking out new podcasts. Another way you can help raise the profile of the podcast if you enjoyed what you heard or you think a friend might like it is to share the episode on your social media. This is another easy way to help the show reach a wider audience. The podcast is available on the following apps. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and CastBox. The show is also available on both YouTube and Facebook. Episodes can also be downloaded directly from the website at www.letmebendyourear.com. If you want to email the show, the email is bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening, and I hope everyone has a great week.